0: Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seeds in the field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until a harvest. And at that time, I will tell you, the reapers collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be buried and gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Mason and the band, thank you so much for your leadership and worship. That song, uh, The Highlands, is one of the best things I've heard in a long time. That's great. And you guys were awesome. That's just ridiculous, it's so good, so it's good. <clears throat> the year was 1876. The occasion was the Philadelphia Centennial Exposition. There were official delegations present from all over the world to celebrate our 100th birthday. There was a delegation from Japan. And in order to decorate their pavilion for the exposition, the Japanese delegation brought with them some of their own native greenery, kudzu. Kudzu captured the imagination of everybody. It was such a hearty, healthy plant. So much so that the US Soil Conservation Department became convinced that kudzu could be the solution to soil erosion. Between 1935 and 1942, the government planted 84 million kudzu seedlings around the country. By 1943, the Kudzu Club of America, you can't make that up. The Kudzu Club of America had over 20,000 paying members. We even elected Kudzu queens at county fairs. Now all of this sounds pretty comical now, doesn't it? That hardy green plant is now known as the beast that ate the South. It is known to grow up to 12 inches in a single day. One farmer that I know down Pulaski once told me that if you're going to plant kudzu, drop it and run. (laughs) Thing is, kudzu looked like such a good plant at the time. But it actually turned out to be a horrible weed And isn't that often the truth? It's tough to tell the good seeds, the good plants from the bad ones. Which brings us to our story today. We've been talking these past weeks about critiquing Jesus. And most of the time, the critiquing, the criticizing has come from the scribes and the Pharisees. But not today. Today, Jesus tells a series of parables in rapid fire succession. And at the end of those parables, most of them about planting seeds and making a harvest and good and bad seeds and such. At the end of those parables, the people, the crowds begin to murmur and say, who is this guy I think he is? We know him, that's Jesus from Nazareth. He's he's a homeboy. And they took offense at him so for today we don't get to point fingers at those nasty scribes and pharisees today we have to look in the mirror because the offended ones are us wonder why that is most of the time um it's because we share something in common with those in the first century and every other century since then we are really concerned about who's in and who's out, who's good and who's not good. And we're pretty sure we know who they are. And so it becomes up to us, we think, to try to separate them. That's our story. A farmer sowed good seed in a field and it looked like it was going to be a bumper crop for wheat but somewhere along the way in the darkness of night an enemy crept in while everyone slept and planted weeds. Lolium timulentum, to be exact. Commonly known as darnell. It's a nasty poisonous wheat lookalike and it's very tough to kill. When the field hands saw it they immediately ran to find the farmer to let him know. Master, we know you sowed good seed in your field. So where did the weeds come from? The master replied, an enemy has done this. Do you want us to go and yank it out? To which the master says, no, leave the weeds alone or you'll also yank out the good wheat. There will come a time later when we can bundle up the good wheat and separate the weeds, but for now, leave the weeds alone. Good and evil often inhabit the same field. Good and evil even finds its way into all of us. We are a field of our own. There are times when you and I are capable of immense beauty and there are times when we are capable of unspeakable harm. We rarely are afforded the luxury of distinguishing between pure good and pure evil. I dare say most of us spend most of our lives distinguishing between various shades of gray. And while many of us, even most of us are pretty quick to judge what is, heat, what is wheat and what is weed among us, we are best off letting the master farmer make that determination. Any campaign to rid the world of evil is bound to fail. The Christian church has provided ample evidence of this. Do you remember the Crusades? Do you remember the Spanish Inquisition? How about the Salem witch trials? Maybe our story today serves to expose the enemy's strategy. I believe the enemy has no power over goodness. The wheat is already in the field and it's doing quite nicely. Evil is a false reality because it is only a parasite that can live as it is allowed to feed on goodness. But what the enemy can do and does do is sprinkle a little darkness among the children of light and get us all flustered. For more on that, I recommend you read C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. No, the kingdom of God has been planted and it's doing very well, and all the kudzu in the world can't stop it. Why is it then that too many of us, children of light, harbor this fantasy? about a mass weed pulling. How do we manage to get rid of that one pesky weed out of our garden? Maybe you know the story of Bubba and his family, good Methodist family who lived in Tuscaloosa and then they got transferred his job to Boston. Every Friday night, Bubba would fire up his grill, smell of steaks would fill the neighborhood. This was a problem for the neighborhood men because they were all Catholics, you see. Fridays for Catholics are a fast day. They don't eat meat, they eat only fish. So Bubba's grilling was hard on the neighborhood boys. So they got their heads together and they decided that the only way to stop Bubba from grilling on Fridays was to convert him. So they began to take Bubba to mass every week and his family and sure enough, after a few months, Bubba and his family became Catholics, and the priest that day took water and he sprinkled it on on Bubba, and he said, you were born a Methodist, you were raised a Methodist, and now you're a Catholic. There was joy in the neighborhood. The next Friday, the smell of steaks filled the air in the neighborhood. And the neighborhood men were really concerned about that and so they snuck over to Bubba's and they peeked over the fence and there was Bubba standing at his grill with a squirt bottle saying, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow and now you're a fish. (laughs) Why is it that we are so quick to want to pull the weeds that question posed by the farm hands is a fundamental question for all humanity. Master, who planted these weeds is another way of asking, where does evil come from? Organized religion has been working on that question from the very beginning. Your Bible has multiple clues. The story of Genesis, for instance, places evil within the human heart. And it has a great story about how that came about with Adam and Eve. Later on, there was this idea that evil existed outside of us, personified in the character Satan that we hear about in the book of Job. And many of us took comfort in the fact that we weren't responsible for the evil, that there was something outside of us. Kind of like Flip Wilson used to tell us, the devil made me do it. And I wish I had a dollar. For every time a parishioner asked me, why does God allow evil to exist? Well, there've been several attempts at that one too. For instance, God set in motion this perpetually self-winding clock that needs no help to run, and then God sat back and let it run. Or there was the idea that God is good, but not powerful enough to stop evil. The idea that this Satan character is as powerful as God is, or God is good and powerful, but has decided that interfering too much in human affairs robs us of our freedom, including the freedom to act badly. And so when we see what we think are weeds, we feel like we ought to declare war. But the master says, Leave the weeds alone. I'd like to suggest to you today that there are two kinds of power in the world. Let's call them left-handed power and right-handed power. Right-handed power is the kind we know the most about. It is the might makes right kind of power. It is the overwhelming use of force kind of power. It's the shock and awe kind of power. It's the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun kind of power. Left-handed power, on the other hand, is what we learn from Jesus. Left-handed power is love your enemies. Left-handed power is father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Left-handed power is what we learn from Mahatma Gandhi when he instructed his Indian compatriots not to fight back against the British as the British were beating them with rods. Left-handed power is what we learned from Jim Lawson and John Lewis at a Nashville lunch counter when he instructed them, don't fight back when they spit on you and they beat you and they turn dogs on you. The Bible's only real answer to the problem of evil is the same as the master farmers in our story today. An enemy has done this. You may want more from that, from the Bible, but you're not going to get it. But if the enemy has a strategy to sprinkle some darkness around the children of light, then the master farmer has a strategy too. When the hired hands come to ask him what to do about the weeds, he replies and the original Greek word is afit. Afit, the weeds, he says. In some cases, it can mean tolerate, but in most cases, the word afit means to forgive. It's the same word Jesus uses from the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. Father, afit them. Now, forgiveness is perhaps the strongest left-handed power. And it's an uncomfortable strategy for most of us because we're the kind of people who like to take hard action to do battle with the forces of evil because we're sure we can recognize evil 100% of the time. But the boss says, leave the weeds alone. But boss, the weeds are mingling among the good wheat. And the boss says, leave the weeds alone. But boss, Why won't you let us yank the weeds? And the boss says, and listen carefully to this, all of those of us who wish to critique Jesus, because he says, you don't know the difference between the wheat and the weeds. You think you do, but you don't. Leave the weeds alone. I'll sort it all out at the end of the harvest. Friends, the kingdom of God becomes a living reality among us at the precise moment that we children of light fully embrace left-handed power. And when someone suggests to you that we have got to get rid of the weeds, the human kudzu around us, tell them to leave the weeds alone and trust the boss. All of this is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen.